You're listening to Huddle Up with Josh Kelsky. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Huddle Up. Today, I have an extremely exciting episode for you guys today. I'm talking to Michael Jenkins of NBC Sports Network. I hope you guys enjoy the interview. Hey, so it's so nice to finally have uh, you on the show. I've been really looking forward to this. Oh, thanks. Me too. Uh, I really I like your podcast. I listen to it, and it's really, really good. Thanks. So why did you become a sports broadcaster? Was it an interest as a child or when you were growing up, you just started really liking it? Yeah, I just love to communicate and I liked writing a lot. And sometimes that goes into maybe not so much nowadays. Uh, there's a lot less writing involved, I think, but that's sort of how journalism has changed. But when I was in eighth grade, I, I lived in a really small town in Texas, and I actually got hired as a DJ. And so I had a Sunday morning gospel show on radio, and then later on that turned into a country music show. And so I just – I love communicating and the idea that I could take a bunch of information and present it to people in a way that was informative or entertaining, whatever it was. And then when I got to college, I had a decision to make because – I love journalism, but I didn't know if I wanted to do news or sports, and there was probably more opportunity in news at the time, and probably still is today, because there's, you know, everybody wants to be a sportscaster, but I just went with what my heart is, which is sports, and I knew that even if I wasn't, even if I wasn't doing journalism, or even if I wasn't on air, I'd still follow sports anyway, so I might as well do something that I really love. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have a background as an anchor and a reporter. What was the transition like as you moved to broadcasting? Well, it was interesting. I always wanted to be an anchor. Somebody told me one time uh, when I was younger, and it's so true, they said behind every behind every great anchor is a great reporter mm-hmm. because almost every anchor has worked himself or herself up to that position and so they had to learn what makes a good writer they had to learn how to do a good live shot they had to learn how to put together a story in a way that resonated with the audience and so it was it was good i i always wanted to be an anchor and but i spent many years in the field you know traveling or and you know doing game stories or interviews in the locker rooms whatever Mm -hmm. it was and then finally i would get my chances to be on the desk and be an anchor and uh, I finally got that chance, and it really helped me because I had so much experience behind me. So it gave me a lot more confidence when I was on the air. And we've seen a ton of changes in the sports broadcasting uh, industry and field lately. I mean, you can go watch Thursday Night Football on NBC, and you see all these incredible graphics. How do you, how do you think this technology is changing the world of sports broadcasting? Hmm, that's a really good question. Well, I think it's it's – It's good and bad. I think, first of all, that, you know, there's so much information out there that we tend to, you know, just look at the information presented to us and never, never question it. Not that the information is wrong, but, you know, for example, I'll have, I'll post a a story on my Facebook page or someone, you know, I'll post something on Twitter and people ask me questions and all they have to do to get the answer is just Google it <laughs> mm-hmm. or look up the information themselves. So there's so much information out there. I think some, you know, our attention spans have gotten much shorter. And so people, not everyone, but a lot of people sort of expect all of the information in a very small package. And, and 
especially with complex stories or stories that are big stories, whether it's in sports, politics, or whatever, it's difficult to get the full story just based on a graphic or just on, you know, full screen or something you see on Thursday Night Football. But now, conversely, the, the cool thing is we have so much more technology now, and we do have more information that we never had before. So we also have the benefit of, you know, seeing insights and, you know, getting perspectives that we never would have gotten 10, 20 years ago just because of all the information out there and all the technology. So I think there's 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 positives and there's negatives. And what changes do you, would you like to see in the field? I would like to see, you know, there's this very – we've sort of gotten to the point where – it sort of goes back to there's all this information where, you know, some controversial story can come out in sports and, you know, today something could break. It could be breaking news, breaking sports, and then we could forget about it in a week because next week there'll be another 10, 20 stories that captured our attention. And because of that, I think that, you know, we sort of, people are getting louder and, and yelling all these crazy takes just to get our attention because it's harder and harder to get our attention. So I'm hoping there's going to be a, a tipping point or a change where at some point more honest and authentic perspectives come true. Because oftentimes if you say so, I could go on Twitter right now and I could say something really crazy. I mean, I don't have a ton mm-hmm. of followers. I only have like, I don't know, like 10,800 followers. But if I said something absolutely bonkers, it would people would go crazy and it would probably get a lot of retweets, which would be good for you know bringing attention to myself. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be a real opinion. It would just be something that, that people would respond to because it was so nuts. And we see that a lot. People say something just to get attention. And I don't think that's necessarily healthy because I think ultimately you, you do a service to your viewers or listeners when you give, for better or for worse, what you really feel. So I'm hoping that will come more into vogue. And in the next 10 years, when hopefully I'm in the sports broadcasting field, what what changes do you think will happen within the next 10 years? I think the where things are headed is that you're going to have to be able to do a little bit of everything. We're seeing that now. When I was, you know, it's like when I was growing up and I was your age, you know, there were only, you know, the internet didn't exist and uh, it, cable wasn't even a big deal. So if you wanted to work in, in television, or you wanted to be a journalist, it was either you had to work at your local news station or maybe you needed to work for a paper. And that was it. Those were your real, those are your only options. But now there's so many different options there where even now at a regional sports network or with NBC, um, they want you to be able to write. They want you to be able to talk. They want you to be able to uh, go out in the field and shoot things with your phone possibly because the technologies on phones are so amazing that you often don't need a, a big clunky camera that we used to use. So mm-hmm. I think being able to multitask and multitask well is probably something where journalism is con- going to continue to head even if we see some, some changes along the way. And I'm incredibly interested in your new show. C- please tell me about it. I'd love to hear some more. Well, I appreciate you asking. It's I kind of came as a shock to me too. I didn't see it. I was here in DC and I'm sure you know that sports betting is getting more and more popular across the country and more states are passing it and passing the legislation because it's going to be legal. It's already legal, I believe in 12 states and by the end of the year, I think that's going to be up to 24, 25. So NBC came to me and said, we want you to co-host a sports betting show on national radio four hours a day. And so they said, but then, so we started that in January out of nowhere, and we're doing that right now. And then we're also adding a third person, and they're building us a TV set 
so that because radio on TV you see all the time, it could be you know ESPN does that in the morning. They used to do it with Mike and Mike or Colin Coward does that. So you see it a lot on television. And so then we're going to be back on TV in D.C., Chicago, Bay Area, Portland, and Philadelphia. So um, we're adding one more person to the show, and then it's going to be radio on TV just in time for football season. It's been it's been interesting, you know. I remember what was it? Probably 10, 15 years ago, I mentioned something on air in Austin about, you know, placing a bet. And there was this audible gasp on air because it was mm-hmm. so taboo back then. And now here we are that I'm co-hosting a show on sports betting. So it's been a it's been a big change. But we're still putting together all the all the details before the big rollout in August. But I'm really excited about it. And sports gambling has been somewhat constant controversial uh, mm-hmm. with some people and the influencing of games. Do you, do you think that's still going on or do you think that it could still possibly happen? I definitely think it could possibly happen. But one, one misnomer I think out there is this idea that because, because sports gambling is proliferating that all of a sudden there's, there's more of a, of a chance that, that games could be, you know, affected or they could be compromised. But ultimately this is good because Vegas, for example, they want the games to be fair. You know, if a game is unfair, if somebody is is affecting a game or influencing a game in a way that, you know, is against the law or is shady, that affects the people who are making the money, which is Las Vegas, which is Atlantic City, and it affects the league. So any sort of any sort of you know, subverting of the laws or any sort of, you know, tainting a game is bad for everyone. It's bad for the leagues. It's get, it's bad for the, the gambling entities involved. It's bad for everyone. So it's never going to go away. It will always exist. But mm-hmm. the good thing is, is because it's more regulated and because we're going to see more technology involved, it's going to be easier to track any sort of anomalies. So if there's something shady going on, it's going to be easier to track than it used to be because we have all of this information and all these computer algorithms that will tell you, wait, something here isn't right so mm-hmm. gambling and and you know the sort of the underbelly of it that is not good has always existed it always will exist but i think we're in a place where if we treat it the right way then we'll have for more information to prevent that from happening and recently you were an, uh nominated for your 10th emmy what was it like to win your first Oh man, that was the most exciting thing ever. I'd just gotten here in 2004 and I was just kind of overwhelmed. I never imagined coming to DC. My goal was to get back to Austin and I got back there and I just thought it was the greatest thing ever. And then I got here and got nominated and I thought, well, that's really cool, but I won't win because I'm up against some of these veterans here and I win it and I won and I, I still can't believe it. Looking back then, it just, it kind of blew my mind and I never imagined I would win another, but it's still, I always think every time I'm nominated or if, if I win, like this could be it, this could be the last time it ever happened. So I just try to enjoy it and appreciate it because I just never imagined, I, could, I, I never imagined my career would get to this place. So I'm really thankful. Over last weekend, I had the opportunity to sit in the radio booth with the Marlins radio announcers. Oh, and wow. Yeah, that, that was an amazing experience, and I'm going to do that again. Now, from being at school and doing this class with TV broadcasting, it's very different. What 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 was it like being on TV than what it's being like on ra- the radio? It is different. That's, that's such a great point. Now, there are certainly some similarities and things that cross over, 
But when they asked me to do this job originally, I said, nah, I don't think I'm going to do it. And they looked at me like I was crazy. They said, this is NBC Sports. What are you talking about? And I was like, I don't know. I, I haven't done radio. That's when I did radio. I was a country music DJ in high school. Like, that's a lot different from doing a national radio show. I said, I think you guys are giving me too much credit. Uh, but they taught, you know, I got some extra information and I eventually gave in. It is really different. Um, I, there are definitely some basic things, whether it's communicating an idea in a way that resonates with people, whether it's, you know, telling a story or knowing when to jump in or when to lay back and let someone else tell a story. Or if you're doing play-by-play, play-by-play is something totally different too. So there are things that go across all those different elements that can help you based on your experience. But it's been, it's been trial by fire. The first day I did it, I had this because even the commercial breaks are different. So I had this sheet of paper I was looking at where, you know, I had to know, listen, at you know, 27 minutes and 40 seconds after the hour, you have to get off the air. If you don't get off the air, they're going to cut you off. Uh, and so I had to learn that. So I'm almost learning a whole lot of things that I, little nuances and little things that I hadn't learned in a long time uh, because I've never done radio, at least sports radio. So it's definitely different. I'm just trying to take what I learned in TV and sort of apply it and then adjust along the way. But it's definitely a transition. It's, it's, it's not the same for sure. And as you're becoming a professional sports broadcaster, did you encounter any obstacles along your way? Oh, absolutely. No question. There's, you know, one thing I will say is that you have to find a very, there's a, there's a delicate balance when you're, especially when you have a unique style. And I've always had a style that was sort of, I don't want to say out there, but I always thought it was okay to, to have fun with sports and to, you know, joke around a lot. Now, that may seem like a no-brainer now, but I can tell you that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that wasn't always the case. You know, with the internet and with, you know, social media now, it's, you know, everybody does that, so it's not a big deal. But when you were doing it in a regional sports network, people would raise their eyebrow at me like, what is this guy doing? So mm-hmm. you have to you have to balance between people who really want to help you and are giving you advice that could actually benefit you and and because they they want you to be better or they have your best interests at heart and also people who are criticizing you but maybe they don't have uh your best interests in mind like i remember when i was in austin my boss at the time didn't really like my style and he was um and I really believed in what I was doing, and I thought it was, you know, I, I, I wasn't trying to be a jerk or trying to, you know, not listen to my bosses, but uh, one guy just kept, he was really hard on me, and he, he was trying to change everything I did, and I, I just truly didn't believe in it. And then I had somebody pull me aside who was a news anchor, and he said, listen, he goes, I know you're getting a hard time in there, um, but I just want you to know you're doing a really great job, and your stuff is really original, and it's funny, and you should keep doing it. And so I'm not saying always do what you want and never mm-hmm. listen to anyone else, but you do have to take into account uh, listening to advice making sure you want to get better and finding ways to get better and being humble enough to accept it, but also saying, okay, but I also want to be true to myself. And that's, that's a, it's a tough balance, but you can definitely do it. And obviously reporting, especially over the last few weeks, uh, as we saw what happened to the Washington Capitals, when you report on a team, do you become a fan of that team? Totally. Well, and you know, it used to not be that way. 
there used, it used to be such a taboo thing. That's just another way in which journalism has changed. It used to be you can't cheer for the teams. You can't now you can't cheer in the press box. That's still like another thing. You can't, you know, if you're at the game, you just don't need to be a professional. But it used to be you can't show any favoritism at all. But that has really changed over time where it's okay to be a fan. It's okay to cheer for the teams you care about. And actually fans respond to that because they think, oh, you're not just some dude talking to me on TV or radio. You're a fan just like I am. And especially when you live in a community for a long time, it's it's hard not to latch on to the local teams because you want you want the fans to be happy. It's good for the city. It's good for the teams that you're covering. And nobody, you know, I mean, you probably know this, that the guys in the locker room are much happier. They're, they they want to talk much more when they're winning. Nobody is happy when the team is losing. Mm-hmm. So having been in D.C. for 14 years, yeah, I, I love when the teams do well because it just makes it's so much fun and you can kind of feel the excitement in the city. And that's always great. What advice would you give to someone like me who's going into this field of sports broadcasting? Well, I would say you're definitely way ahead of the curve. That's for sure. I, you know, I, uh, your podcast is really impressive. The fact that you reached out to me to, you know, to keep doing what you're doing is impressive. And, you know, just keep being a sponge. I know Miss um, Porter is is super talented too. I know her, and she knows a ton about great journalism. So keep on the path that you're on, and be really inquisitive about ways to get better and the only other thing i would say which i think is super super important is that be good to everyone this is a it's it sounds crazy but this is a really really small business because at some point you know if you work in it long enough you you see a lot of the same people you know a lot of the same people and almost every job i've gotten i've known someone who could walk in and say hey i know this guy he's a really nice guy and he's good at what he does and if you're a, if you're trying to hire somebody and you've got a hundred you know, a hundred YouTube links or Vimeo reels or whatever it is to look at, mm-hmm. then that can make the difference. Someone vouching for you and saying, Hey, you don't have to worry about all this. I got the guy for you. I got the girl for you, whatever it is. So um, that's really important, especially because um, again, as you get older, you'll run into a lot of the same people. And if just to finish things off, if you had mm-hmm. to pick your best interview on your show, who would it be? Ooh, man. That is a really good question. I gotta think about that. Best interview, man. I don't know. I gotta think about that for a second. I'm trying to. Th- I've done so many interviews over time. I always remember my worst ones. Those are mm-hmm. <laughs> those always stand out because you don't expect that to happen. Uh, you know, I'll tell you a really good interview, and I couldn't believe it was John Bones Jones, who you know he's had all sorts. Of, you know, he's a UFC fighter. And he's had all sorts of issues with drug use and, um, you know, but he's arguably the greatest UFC fighter ever. And we were, he was in our newsroom one day, I was doing an interview and then we just kind of hung out after the interview and we're just talking and, and I just couldn't believe how this guy who practices (laughs) violence for a living and who has had all these issues was just like this regular guy who just wanted to hang out and talk and just be nice and answer any question that we had for him. And you always have an idea of how someone's going to be. But I was I was still kind of blown away that uh, this guy was as kind as he was, considering his reputation. Yeah. He was totally different than I expected. He was, and then was like, "Hey, why don't you come to one of my fights? Here, let's get you tickets." Which I'm not saying the tickets is, you know, you you don't have to give me tickets to make me like you. That's not a uh, that's not what I'm saying. But I, I was just kind of blown away. I didn't expect that at all. And to this day, I'm like, "Wow, that was one of the nicest guys I ever met." And you would never expect it. So that was a really cool interview. Good luck on your show. I can't wait to listen to it. Um, and thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Josh, anytime you need something, you just let me know. You're awesome and keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thank you very much. You bet, bud. Take care. You too. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I had an amazing time 
talking to Michael Jenkins. I hope you guys enjoyed, and we'll see you next time on Huddle Up.